Hello and welcome to yet another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. My name's Mark Thompson. So, when you hear the name Brazil, what does it bring to mind? For many, it conjures up images of soccer, samba and sandy beaches, a carefree and extroverted people who love to party. But Brazil is also one of the most racially and culturally diverse countries in the world. Though some of these stereotypes may ring true in certain ways, there's so much more to Brazil than that. And I'm here with Ariana, a Brazilian living in Hobart, to hear about why more and more Brazilians have been making Tasmania their home in the last few years. I'm originally from Sao Paulo. I was born there. I didn't live there very much, very long. I've lived there for probably about two years. Then I moved to Fortaleza, which is up north, mm-hmm. I think northwest or northeast. Of northeast. Uh, so I moved to Fortaleza. And for me, it was a totally different changing because I was with my parents and out of the sudden I wasn't with them anymore I was with my grandparents and it is a totally different environment from Sao Paulo which is a big capital city and you go to Fortaleza which at the time it wasn't a huge big place like Sao Paulo and it was a very nice area Sao Paulo is a big city Mm -hmm. Fortaleza it's a nice beach area so it's nice and warm and you can enjoy the the weather you can enjoy days at the beach I was raised in Fortaleza for a couple of years or probably three years, then back to Sao Paulo again. Fast forward a few years later, I decided to move to Florianópolis. So pretty much my life was a bit between Sao Paulo and Fortaleza, which is where my parents are and my grandmother is. And they are two different environments. So for me, it was I was very lucky to experience both of the environments. Growing up, I moved to for- Florianópolis, which is very south. And it is a totally different environment. Yeah, I was going to say, you, so you've lived all over in quite different regions of Brazil, because Florianopolis is right down south, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a very small, beautiful island. And down south Brazil, yes. A little bit, a lot cooler than Fortaleza. Mm -hmm. Fortaleza used to get 40 degrees easy in summer and days with 40s. Not, Not anymore due to climate change, but before it was way, way hotter. Florianopolis was always known as a very nice beach area and very cold in winter. It's really mm-hmm. nice and cold, but also very well known for outdoors and for if you if you like hiking, camping and this type of things, that's the place we go to. It's safer. And that's where I decided to move when I when I when I could live by myself. <laughs> but yeah, Sao Paulo, it's a beautiful place. I compare a little bit if I have to compare to Australia, I would say it is like Melbourne. Mm-hmm. You've got coffee shops, you've got theater, you've got culture, you've got everything that a city, big city has to offer. A lot busier, crowded. Well, it's sort of a mega city, isn't it? Yes, it is. And a lot crowded. It's a lot of people everywhere. You go to the trains, you go to the public transport, you're just squeezed. You just can't get by. You get hours and hours in traffic if you're driving. Where Fortaleza is becoming like that, I think, for probably the past 10 years, I'd say, it has become a little bit more overcrowded. But that is very seasonal you know that's going to be crowded weekend because everyone is sunny everyone's going to go to the beach whether in during the week you can get by a little bit public transport is not so squeezed it is still full because brazil it it is everywhere we go it's a big country and you've got a lot of people it's still my favorite florinopolis yeah just because i i'm an outdoor person so you can do all of those and i guess you you chose to go to florinopolis yes conscious yes decision yeah. Whereas you, you for the lazy, you weren't really part of the decision, I guess. No, you're just your mom and dad. Just <laughs> yeah, see you later. You go to live with your grandfather's, so grandfather. But yeah, 
see you later, done. And yeah. off he went. But it was my brother and I at the time. It was a good experience for me because I guess it made me start learning at the time. I was very young, so probably not thinking about planning or anything. But looking back, I think that's well, one thing that always helped me to learn how to be a planner. Mm-hmm. How to, if you're going to move overseas, let's plan this. If you're going to move to another state, let's plan this. It's not just, off you go, see you later. Yeah. You know, you got to do a bit of research before. And even though I was going to my grandmother's house, living with a lot of being around a family and friends, you, it's always a strange place for you because you're not with your parents. Mm. So for me, it was a big, starting to be a big experience. And coming back to my parents a few years later, it was a bit different as well because then I was in a new environment. So I guess that helped me a little bit to become the person who I am today, I guess. Uh, when you were at high school, maybe towards the end, did you develop any aspiration or ambition about what you wanted to do? Actually, I always wanted to become a pilot. That okay. was my dream. And... In order to do that, the first thing that I thought, yeah, fine, I'm going to have to work with in admin jobs. I'm going to have to be an admin person to get the money to save so I can be pay for the course to become a pilot, which is very expensive. Back home and I guess everywhere in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and But that was the only thing that I thought to myself, yes, that's what I probably could dream about. But there was not something that was... Reachable. I was never thinking I am going to become a pilot. So you always dream like a little kid and you're growing up with that. I wanted, I wanted to be this, but reality is you got to work yourself in whatever you have. And the environment that I had, I was raised by a single mom. We, that's hence why the, the moving from Sao Paulo to, to Fortaleza because their parents split. Okay. So then every time I would go back to my, to live with my mom, it would be single parent kind of environment and you're not you sort of lose that dreaming aspirations that you end up probably having when you're younger and i got my first job when i was probably 13 14 years old okay. mom used to go and clean some someone's house and i would go with her mom would go and cook for a restaurant and i would go with her so or sometimes yeah Diana, i can't do this today can you just go and clean the house for me and i would go and replace her on that house so it is. Uh, it's quite common for Brazilians to start working very early. Yep. So even it doesn't matter if they're helping the parents or if they're just going for the job. It's quite normal for us. So for me, I start working very early, and soon enough, I learned that you can only dream about things. Mm. You, I didn't even think about coming overseas never because that was something so not reachable for me. Mm-hmm. Moving overseas, traveling around the world, that was not never the plan or the aspirations. I then start working like normal life and like everybody else's start working in all all sort of things i work in a surf shop selling havaianas i was the best seller there which i love it at the time uh that gave me some money to put it on the savings then i finished that job then i went to uh, help my mom to clean someone's house mom then moved from sao paulo to a little a little countryside place Mm -hmm. uh she was working in a farm so i was hoping mom in a farm then I ended up getting my first job through a friend of my mom's as an admin person for a tourism company. And that when that was when my probably my career started, I'd say. So yeah, I was working in the bus station and I decided to change all of that to an airline industry and working as a checking counter agent at the time. 
and I got this job. I did that in one of the airlines for six months. Then I moved over to a bigger airline, one of the biggest airlines back home, which is called now LATAM. At the time, it was mm-hmm. TAM Airlines. And I was with TAM for two years. And that's when everything starts probably to develop in regards to me going overseas and learning language. So at the, that point, I never thought that I needed to learn English. At that point, I never could be dreaming about moving overseas. But getting that job gave me the chance of going to London, going to United States for work and for pleasure as well. Spend a few, a few weeks uh, traveling in the US just because I could afford it. It was cheap flights. So same in London. When I went to London just for the same purpose. It was cheap flights. Let's just go. Then one day I decided I'm going to go and live in New Zealand. And that was in 2012. And I moved to learn English for six months and I was going to come back and get my job back. And I never got back. And then I spent three years in New Zealand. Zero English. Got there with the job because I was with someone at the time in Brazil and he spoke very good English. So mm-hmm. he arranged the job for me as a nanny. And the mom, it was a, she was a teacher back in England and she married a Kiwi guy and she goes, no, I'm happy to teach her the basic English and if she looks after the kid. And the little one was at the time, I think six months old. So it mm-hmm. was the baby wouldn't talk. So that was me watching Peppa Pig every morning <laughs> or watching Bob the Builder. Well, I still know the songs. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And yeah, that was pretty much my first, the beginning of my journey overseas. Was the the stay in New Zealand, was that just because of circumstances and knowing people? Or was there a reason for you? No, there was a big reason behind that too. At the time, I split up with my with the person who I was with at the time. Mm-hmm. And it, there was no particular reason. We're still friends. And it was just because we realized both that we're not right for each other anymore. He he was supporting me all the way through. but I And I decided that I wanted to leave overseas. Mm-hmm. It is something that it was in my head all the time. And I just wasn't sure why. And looking back, it's more because I wasn't very happy with the country I was living in because it was too dangerous. Yeah, that was one thing for me that in New Zealand, I used to go to work, sometimes go to clean a place. That's where I started my first jobs when you didn't speak English. I started cleaning places, a hotel or houses at 5 a.m. And I could go anywhere on the street and nobody would do anything to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't scared anymore to walk around it. Uh, I finished work at midnight sometimes. I did work as a cleaner during the day in a hotel and then after I would go to a Brazilian barbecue at night. And I would finish probably midnight, 1am mm-hmm. sometimes on a Saturday, a big Saturday. And I wasn't scared to go home. And I kept talking to my ex at the time and he wasn't, he goes, yeah, Diana, that's what living overseas looks like because he did live in the US before. And I go, I don't want to go back anymore. And this is the life I want and if I'm going to work hard to uh, learn this language if that's mm-hmm. what I, you know, I can dream about it and I can do something with it. I'm going to learn this language. Then I decided to stay in New Zealand probably about, my visa was about to expire. There was literally a month for my visa to expire. And I was in Auckland. In Auckland, it would be really hard to get a job, which helped me with the visa. So Mm -hmm. then here I go, where where am I going to move? At the time, 2013, beginning of 2013, nearly beginning of winter, it was really hard for companies in Queenstown to get stuff. And I ended up getting a job in a hotel as a housekeeping. They helped me with the visa and everything. I got my visa and I settled in Queenstown for two years. Yeah, and I ended up working in cleaning for a few months. Then after that, moving to the restaurant and working shifts in, in the same 
uh, place in the same company, but working in two different roles, uh, then moving to another role, which was a receptionist. And that was my first step where I actually could dream about, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. After three years and I was, okay, I don't speak perfect, but I can do this. And I guess that's when I, my at the time I was with someone, we agreed to move to Sydney for the money. It was a a lot better than than Queenstown, than New Zealand itself. Mm-hmm. And he had a working holiday visa at the time, so let's just move. Then we end up moving here to Sydney first, and then I start doing my uni there, and everything pretty much flows from there. Yeah, what were the circumstances that led to you coming to Tasmania? Okay, to me, that's actually a very simple uh question to answer because I moved down here for a job. Mm-hmm. I got uh, accepted in a row at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID. And for me, it was quite easy move. I was planning to move to Tasmania from October the year, the previous year. And it didn't actually work because I couldn't get a job before. And I kept applying and eventually I was uh, successful in one of the jobs. And that's why I moved to Tasmania. Okay. I think you're one of the few people actually I've talked to who had a job before they came. Yeah, it was actually interesting uh, you say that because everybody that I talk to, they always saying to me, how did you get a job before even arrive? Companies here are not really willing to go for an interview, online interview. Mm. Whether it was really different because my field is digital marketing, which is a bit ex- specific uh, for Tasmanian. And it is a skill set that you have to have. And I guess that's why the company was willing to interview and do the whole recruitment process online. But I guess that's why it was a bit of a challenge for me at the beginning because moving from Sydney, where I had all of my friends and support there, coming to Tasmania, where I didn't know anyone, just have a job. uh, It was quite challenging at the beginning, but it is what I wanted to do for quite some time, move to Tasmania. And for me, it wasn't a really hard decision, I guess. It's really interesting that you actually wanted to come to, you had wanted to come to Tasmania. What was it that attracted you? Tasmania? Well, the outdoors, that's, that would be the first thing that I actually enjoy a lot. That was one of the biggest points on my to-do list when I was crossing ins and outs in which state I was going to move to. It was the outdoors, uh, enjoy, the, enjoy hiking, enjoying camping, and all of those sort of outdoor activities that I was comfortable doing but I didn't have time in Sydney whether here I can actually enjoy and explore the outdoors on my weekends when I'm free the second point on my list was actually the cold okay (laughs) interesting Uh, you're probably gonna say yes you're Brazilian but you're Brazilian well it's funny you should say that because I think a lot of people I've talked to from warmer climates have commented on they really like the climate which at the beginning surprised me but now I've heard it from Sri Lankan, Pakistani, Thailand, and now Brazil. So it's surprising for a local, but I'm now I'm less surprised now. Yeah, and that was one of the, the the good points for me. Sydney was getting too warm and too humid. Where Tasmania, we do have the four seasons very well uh, displayed, and I actually enjoyed that. Is a very cooler uh, weather rather than a very hot, heated. Uh, summer. Uh, summer here, my first summer here was in December this year. It was actually really nice. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy outdoors and I do enjoy uh, going to the beach, but I don't miss that heat that I had in other countries uh, and all the places where I lived in. So I'm actually yeah. really pleased. But yeah, that yeah. was the two big points that made me to pick Tasmania as a place. 
moving from Sydney to here without a job, I don't personally don't think is wise, even if you need a visa, because it is hard to, it is a little bit more expensive in a few things. Yeah. In other things, it's a little bit cheaper. But if you balance it out, you don't want to spend all of your savings without you looking for a role. So, yeah. and I understand that it's hard for people to get a job here, but I would say, try and apply and call companies that that's pretty much what i did yeah. on my experience but uh yeah that's pretty much how i've been in sydney for four and a half years uh did a few a project in canberra for about four months mm -hmm. which i did not enjoy uh it is close to sydney it would be a very nice regional area to live in but it wasn't the what i wanted it yeah. wasn't it didn't have the same feelings and things that i was looking in in a regional area uh, it wasn't just because of a regional area, but um, it, it, coming from Sydney, Sydney is getting too busy and too crowded and you just don't have time for yourself. Yeah. Whether moving to Tasmania, for me, that gives me a big time for me to actually enjoy my company, my things, things that I enjoy doing it, the outdoors, particularly the outdoors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it was sort of the quality of life that drew you to yes. you in a lot of ways. Yes, the big, it was a big thing for me after graduation was I want to have a decent working life balance. And that was one thing that I put prior, as a priority in my life. Mm -hmm. And the only place I could see doing things I like to do, it was coming to Tasmania. So for me, Sydney was no longer a very big dream of, yes, everything in life is about money or everything in life is about uh, having a, that great, good job that you do everything. You work more than nine to five. It's not just nine to five. You work a lot more yeah. because the competition there is a lot bigger. Whether here you go, you do your work and you enjoy your weekends free. You enjoy your evenings free to go out with friends, to go for dinners, to, to do pretty much everything what you want. And even if you just want to stay home and do nothing, yeah. you can actually do that. Whether Sydney is very hectic. You always have something to do every night. You end up forgetting a little bit about yourself and your what you like to do. If you are looking to move to somewhere and you know, put put yourself in a situation where why would I move to this place? Visas, yes, first thing, tick. That, that's a regional area that's going to give you a visa. However, is, it, is this the right regional area for you? It, it will give me the things that I want to do, that I like to do. And start planning that. Start looking at housing prices. Start looking at uh, renting. Start looking at how much things cost. One big thing that is costing more heat than Sydney for me was a take takeaways. I definitely yeah. have to get my cooking skills up and running <laughs> <laughs> because it is really expensive to get takeaways here. Um, but then there is a balance. You end up not spending so much money in other things. Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah, that's what I, I would say. I would say that plan ahead, look, research the, the regional area you want to go. Yeah. For for me, it was Tasmania, and I've been really pleased to all of the planning and research I've done. Uh, would be good coming here before. Yes, it would uh, to experience, but not everyone has the chance to hop on a flight and go to the place and spend three or four days or a week uh, to test it out the place. Yeah. So I'd say plan ahead. There's internet is full of information. And if you know how to separate the good information and the bad information, you're gonna be end up with a very pretty 
well uh, planned for you to go and say, okay, fine. I, I decided the place I want to go. That's the place that's going to give me visa. That's the place that is going to give my uh, outdoor activities. That's going to be the place where I want, I'm seeing myself living. Yes. So let's start applying for jobs. And you're going to get a lot of no's. Like everybody does, like yeah. Australians do, do, like any other country does. Yeah. But it's, I compare sometimes if someone from here goes to Brazil, they would probably have the same difficulty, apart from the English, the, the language. Yeah. Uh, but also the to apply for a job, you're going to compete with locals. So just bear that in mind a little bit, a plan ahead. You're going to get a lot of no's. It is nice. No, it's not. But it is what it is. Because you do, especially in Tasmania, is you've experienced you have to be pretty persistent and really yeah determined yeah it is not an easy market if you looking to, especially if you're looking to get in a specific market uh let's say for instance you're an engineer you're a mechanical engineer yep. and you're looking for an engineer job that it's perfect tailored to you that's not going to happen you got to be flexible a little bit my field, for instance, was digital marketing. I was not familiar with traditional marketing, printing and flyers and cover flutes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that in the recruitment process in, on my uh, case was the fact that, okay, do you know about printing? Do you know about cover flutes? And I said, look, I'm going to be honest. I've never worked with this. My specific field is digital. However, I'm happy to learn. If there's someone who can train me, I'll, I'm keen to learn. And I think that was a big turning point when you have to be flexible a little mm-hmm. bit because if you're looking for that tailored perfect job, it might happen in a few years, but why are you trying to get your visa? Why are you trying to migrate from one country to the other? Or you might you why are you thinking okay. of moving from one state to another with the job? The mindset that you may have is okay, fine, I'm gonna be flexible for a few months or for a few years even to get the lifestyle I want. So it is a little bit of a balance sometimes. And to be honest, I don't think anyone has the dream job that they actually yeah. wanted. Even locals, they do no. whatever it you know brings money home. So locals have sort of a bit of an in, often not always, but often have an inside running by knowing how things work and, and knowing people who are, are involved in. The, there's a lot of small business. Most businesses in Tasmania are small, and they don't employ people through a formal process. It's through often for for informal networks. Yes, you're so right. Funny enough, you say that because most people, most Australians that I've met here in Tasmania, uh, locals, they say, oh, but who do you know in that company? I go, I don't know anyone. No, but how did you get the job? And I learned that, that, yes, that's actually how it works here. Everyone knows everyone. And if you've got a good reputation, you're going to get that influence. You're going to get that reference going to, to that role. And I didn't have to experience that, but uh, I do suggest to all of my friends that, look, if you are experiencing that field and you keep looking for a role, make sure that you talk to people, talk to locals. They'll know. And of course, you're not going, going to know how things are running here. You know how it works in your country, but moving from another state to another country, you won't know because it's totally different experience. Might be the same, maybe not. But one thing is you grow up in the place where you know everybody and you know the rules. The other thing is you come in brand new with just that skill set. That's the only thing that's holding you to the to the visa and yeah. to the actual job and not knowing anyone. You're going to need that support around you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one of the things I've been asking people, um, which I know is sometimes difficult, is how do you 
get to um, build those social networks and make those social connections in Tasmania. Is there any, anything you've done or you found helpful to do that? Yes. Look, as soon as I got here, because I moved in by myself, uh, the the Brazilian community is great and you can easily get get by with the Brazilians. But if you're looking professionally talking, if you're looking for more networking advice, I'd say when I started here, uh, I started going to meetups. That was a big thing for me. And it was at the beginning of COVID. So we still had a few, let's say two, three weeks or four weeks until we went full in lockdown. So that that first four weeks for me were crucial because I could go to meetups, uh, Eventbrite events, mm-hmm. uh, where I managed to meet people. And it is a skilled people. People who are working in the, on, on the fields, on their specific fields, uh, at the time I was looking for someone specialized in IT, in something to do with uh, all of the websites and things like that. So I joined this meetup and I would meet everyone on a Saturday morning for coffee, which was great for me to meet new people and also to learn something. I spent that moment with them, trying to get to know them. They were all locals. Mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways of getting business better uh, when it comes to social, to, to websites. Uh, and I was involved in a group of locals, local people who I could meet and I could have a chat with them. And they actually told me, oh, okay, if you want to go to this place, don't go to that place because it's not a nice area. Or no, you can probably, we're going to have a, meet- a meeting on a Saturday night for drinks. Do you want to come? And then that's probably when you end up meeting different people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brazilian community was a big thing for me at the beginning because uh, that's your people, that's your culture. Yep. You want to be able to go and dance and and barbecuing and all these things that we do. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you also know locals. And people know how to run things around here, not just Brazilians, they would be great and they probably been living here for a while. They know a lot. But when it comes to professional, you need to look after your professional yourself. And to me, the best way of meeting people and networking was through meetups and Eventbrite events, which I still go, but that, that would be my advice. Even I've gone through all of this, it is a hard path to move from one country to another. So one big thing that I noticed from my journey is that what kept me keep going with what keeps me going was the positivity. There was very, very hard times as as everybody does. It is a normal life. If I was in Brazil, I would probably have hard times as well. But keeping myself positive and looking for ways to improve and ways to get better, that was the way for me to... I guess, seal all of this journey. So uh, just on that, how, how, how do you manage to keep positive? What is there anything you do that sort of helps you? Yes, a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big thing for me, for everyone who knows me knows that I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> but just for the, the fact of, just because you're looking at things in a different way, I think I was probably trained since moving from my parents to my grandparents to someone's house, always looking at what is there that is going to be positive. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something exciting on the new. So let's just embark on this, embrace this, and uh, just, you know, make it the best of it. But what keeps me probably with the mind the positive mindset is the look that i can reach to something that i can be something that i can be someone i guess 
my impression, at least, and I, and I think this is the general thing, is that Brazilians are kind of extroverted, fun-loving, like dancing and going to the beach. Yes. Is, is, that, is that a fair sort of stereotype, I suppose? Yes, if you Google it a bit deeper, you're going to find all the things. But yes, probably one of the biggest things for us is we're well known for dancing. Yep. We are very extrovert. We talk a lot. We are very, very people person. Even the introvert ones, they are people person. They will go out and they not everyone dances well, but they all have the moves, I'd say. Yeah. It is a big thing. Um, and I guess, I don't know nowadays, but... I always had in in my family environment coffee. It was something that always gets you together. If you go to work, to work in an office and you always have that 15 minutes that you go to the kitchen and everyone chats over a little coffee. It became a little a sort of habit of everybody is coffee time. Everyone yeah. goes to the kitchen and chit chat a little bit about the work or about everything else in life, get a coffee, come back to, to the desk. Uh, it is a big thing for us. We are very, we are very extrovert. We there's no deny to that. Um, so is that is sort of being sociable and um, having social skills? Is that something that's important? And is that something that comes from Brazilian culture? It is. It's something that is very intrinsic to, into the the culture because we we are social people. For us, it's important to to be out there to talk. I guess we learn that from families. We or everyone has normally big families. There's, fam- of course, I'm generalizing here, but uh, you always go on the weekends to uncle's barbecue or someone's barbecue. Going to uni, there's always a barbecue. So it's things that if you're looking to identify a Brazilian looking for the moves, <laughs> they all dance. Coffee, meat, we're all very big meat eaters. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we are very socially integrated. We integrate really well with any society. Yeah. Uh, just because a smile is in everyone's face. Even though the day wasn't the greatest, you always have a big smile in everyone's face. You always have, yes, one day done, let's go and have a beer. <laughs> I had a Brazilian friend uh, at school, I was about nine, and he invited me back to his house one time when we got knew each other for a while, and it was the first time I experienced coffee or smelled it. But I walked into their apartment and there was just this smell of yes. coffee that I always stayed in my memory. And, it and always connected with, and I've always connected with Brazil. And it always brings back to uh, that's how a Brazilian house normally or an apartment normally smells like. Mm. Uh, if I go to my mom's house, uh, there's always a kettle on and for the dripping coffee. And there's always coffee. If, every time you go, there's always coffee there. If you go, if I'm taking a friend to my to my mom's house, she's definitely going to offer you coffee. That's the first thing. Oh, I would like some coffee. And then yeah. you go, uh, yes. And then the experience that you have when you drink coffee in Brazil might not be the same than Australia. But I must say one thing that was easy for me and 100% easy for me to get used to Australia was the coffee culture. You guys have the same culture than us. Kids on the at the beach drinking coffee, which fine for Tasmania because it's a bit cooler, but not <laughs> fine for Sydney. But Sydney people still drink it. It's quite a nice uh, way to engage the culture from Brazil uh, into here. And when you think about moving other to other country, we never think, oh, what am I going to find out in there that's similar to Brazil? But this 
coffee thing that definitely brought me closer to mm -hmm. the culture here. But if you go to the US, the culture of coffee there is not as oh, well displayed. It is a social experience. At the end of the day, you go to sit down with someone for coffee. Sometimes it's a friend that you haven't seen for months. Mm. And you sit down with that person and you start talking all sort of things that you haven't talked in months. And you're just relaxing. You're not working. You're not typing. You're not, you know, you're not editing anything. You're not posting anything on social. It's not about is about being you and the person catching up. Yeah. And I guess the same, I bring it back to Brazil. When I used to work in corporate, that's one thing that I used to take. Okay, fine, coffee break. Everyone goes to the kitchen and let's catch up. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, that's pretty much, I guess, what I get from the coffee is the experience. And hence why we have a lot of coffee. <laughs> Brazil is probably the most multicultural and cosmopolitan country around. I think I read a couple of facts that it's got the most people of uh, African heritage outside Africa, the most people of Japanese heritage, I think mostly in Sao Paulo, outside Pan, as well as just big populations of people of German, Italian, obviously Portuguese heritage. It's so uh, such a mix. Yeah, interesting you say that, because if you go to a place, let's say in Sao Paulo, Uh, apparently the largest colony out of Japan is in this little countryside of São Paulo called Registro. Mm. And pretty much, well, back in probably 2008, 2009, when I was living close to that area, you would go to small sushi places and they would be owned by a Japanese person. They would not speak much of Portuguese. Mm. And you encountered that experience in Brazil. Then you move down, to, uh, when I moved down to Florianopolis, you drive down to places uh, such as Blumenau, which is a, a very, very German culture interest in there. But I knew that Blumenau is, if you go there, you probably, the, the buildings, the, the city around it, it's everything. You go there. I felt like when I was in Berlin, just traveling, I felt like I was in Blumenau because mm. it's the very, very similar. The houses and the whole city itself is just a little bit more sunnier than probably Berlin because it's in Brazil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Same place, there's another little place uh, very, very down south, Santa Catarina, which is the state where Florinopolis is, uh, where pretty much a, a lot of the heritage there is Italian. Globally is quite well known, Brazil is quite well known globally for not being in one of the safest countries, mm -hmm. which is really a uh, shame for us because it's such a beautiful country. If you decided to travel around Brazil, there's so much to do and see, yeah. but it's not safe to do unless you've got, if, if you're richer. If I want to go to Rio, I need to be very, very careful where to go. I went yeah. to Rio twice and I felt like I was in a box because <laughs> I just, everywhere I go, I would get on a bus or on a train and I would not feel comfortable. Mm. Same if you go to Sao Paulo, if you want to, if you get a bus in Sao Paulo, you're not comfortable because you, anyone can come in on, on the front of the bus and rob everyone. Yeah. And when you go on holidays, you're not thinking of that. You're thinking of, uh, if, even if you go to work, if I go to work from in Sydney, I used to go on a train every day when once I actually lost my shift because I end up, I supposed to stop at the airport and that was 5 a.m. was the first train in the morning, 4.30 a.m. And I missed the, 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 the stop, the international airport stop. I went straight to Campbelltown, which is a very, very far away and apparently very dangerous. And I just, I just slept on the train. And when I 
when the bar the train stops and the guy came in hey this is the last stop where you meant to stop and i go at the airport and he goes you should be careful the trains are dangerous here you mm. are a girl with a laptop in front of you because i was doing my assessment at the time and you just fall asleep it's really dangerous mm. and i was just zoned out with that dangerous fear i didn't have that fear anymore that i said no man brazil is dangerous mm. brazil you can't even walk with the bag on the, on your back you have to put it in front of you and you have to hug the bag otherwise yeah. you get robbed another issue that's come up with every person from Latin America so far and I believe this is an issue in Brazil too they've all mentioned security and corruption yes. as well as being real reasons why they left and um, reasons why they you know wouldn't maybe go back yes look it goes from even schools or sometimes a mom or dad wants the kid to pass and the kid is just there's no way for that kid to pass mm-hmm. but bribery is quite common the mom just yeah i'll give you that money and you pass my son same with universities you pay university sometimes you don't even need to go to university and you pass you get a d- degree and it is it is in the in the people mm-hmm. it is another level it is very deep and it starts with i guess with the society things become really really big when it goes to politicians but then that's what we probably know corruption big corruption for but i guess it starts with that with us it starts with going to to a line on the bank mm-hmm. and base because you know someone who knows someone who knows someone you go in front of everybody little things like that that in australia you, you don't see that often and you mentioned that things that australians are probably not too much aware of other countries is the fact that you guys are raised in a, such a safe environment yeah. where you can say everything to everyone and you're not going to scared to get a bullet in your head. Whether if you go to places in Brazil or possibly places in Colombia, if you go against whatever that person is saying, so next thing you know, you are under the the bus mm. because someone just killed you because you disagree with them. Whether he you safe to open up to anyone and say what you want to say and not having a bullet in your head. Thank you for listening to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Don't forget you can also follow us on Spotify, Facebook and Twitter. Just look up 177 Nations of Tasmania. And thank you again for listening.